My name's Rob Howes. This is the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Hi, David Ainge Stewart. Welcome to the podcast. Can you give our listeners a short introduction to yourselves? Yes, of course. So let me go first. Um, I'm Stuart Farrow. I'm the uh, Director of Biology in Cancer Research UK's Therapeutic Discovery Labs. So very briefly, we are um, we provide a link between the wide network of scientists who are funded by uh, the charity and help them to translate their their research um, towards therapeutic benefit for patients. So we provide uh, drug discovery expertise. So uh, within that context, we have a particular interest in uh, the use of uh, emerging technologies, new approaches to help us improve um, and streamline the target discovery process. So. Uh, for us, functional genomics is a very exciting uh, opportunity to identify novel therapeutic targets um, for patient benefit for treatment, uh, treating patients with cancer. Thanks. I'll go next. Um, uh, I, I lead the functional genomics team in, uh, in AstraZeneca. Um, we're based in Cambridge, UK. Um, and we are um, interested in using functional genomics tool to uh, identify and validate uh, novel targets. Um, we work uh, very closely with the three uh, main therapy areas of AstraZeneca, oncology, the respiratory area, and the cardiometabolic area. And the remit of the team is really to, um, to, to identify novel targets using, um, using CRISPR screening, using uh, um, other modality of perturbation of uh, physiologically relevant models. In the, in the last few years, we have generated a particular interest in uh, how we build this model and how we um, understand, um, how we strike the balance between um, screenability of these models and, um, and physiological relevance. Great, thank you. So we're here to chat about the special issue on functional genomics for target identification, which is shortly going to be published in SLAS Discovery. So can you describe to us functional genomics and its use in target identification? Yeah, perhaps I'll let uh, David go first on this one and then I can, I can pick up afterwards. Absolutely. Um, functional genomics in uh, historically, it's been, uh, it's been run in, uh, in yeast. And um, I guess the first, uh, the, the first papers 10, 20 years ago have highlighted a lot of new biology in, um, in eukaryotic uh, space. Um, specifically with the advent of CRISPR-Cas9 uh, technology, um, functional genomics has then um, been uh, particularly interested in uh, um, interesting uh, for the identification of novel targets. Um, and um, as, as CRISPR-Cas9 has um, increased its ability to, um, to edit genomes or more complex model, um, we see, I personally see um, a lot of potential in, uh, in this discipline in, uh, in, in identifying um, translatable targets that can um, um, potentially have a reduced attrition rate in the, in the clinic. Yeah, thanks, David. So just to um, add some gen general observations to your comments, I think one of the most fundamental things is, is this is about a unique opportunity, I think, and, and fantastic technology that allows us to study how genes and pathways contribute to disease on a, on a, on a very big scale. Um, and it allows us to systematically perturb um, a really large number of genes or proteins, um, which will reveal 
novel um, phenotypes within cells that will give us in turn insights into how those individual genes function. But obviously, critically for both of us, I think, working in the um, translational research community where we're, we're interested in novel therapies for patients, it will allow us to infer the function of particular genes and, and help us uh, to start the journey, really, of whether those genes are potential therapeutic targets in a whole range of um, in a whole range of disease areas. Great, thank you. So can you describe to us what is going to be covered in the special issue? Again, maybe David, you'd like to go first on this one? Yes, Kendall. Um, the special issue, I think it's a nice collection of um, papers um, that, that highlight the breadth of um, um, of energy and knowledge that's going on in the moment in the functional genomic space. Um, and, and I think the other um, important thing that to me the, the special issue has highlighted is um, really the three critical component of the functional genomics discipline um, as it is emerging um, in, uh, in recent years. Um, we have collected a number of manuscripts around uh, the development of more physiologically relevant models that can be adapted to uh, genetic screening or um, also non-genetic screening as a matter of fact. We have collected a number of manuscripts that uh, um, describe really the development of new um, screening modalities. Um, there is, as I mentioned before, a lot of focus uh, in the use of CRISPR-Cas9 as a technology to identify novel targets in functional genomics, but there are also other modalities that are not related to CRISPR that are really gaining tractions, uh, like for example, uh, the use of uh, um, secretome screening or uh, the use of continued the use of, uh, of sRNA or small molecule-based uh, phenotypic screening. And last but not least, there are also a few description of um, a few papers that describe the generation and the development of the computational pipeline, which I think is absolutely fundamental to any effort that is ongoing, I guess, in the, in the experimental part, because uh, generation of an end-to-end -end computational pipeline is really critical to extract as much information as possible from all these screening efforts that is um, happening. Thanks, David. And again, just, just to uh, add a few things and perhaps emphasize a couple of the areas. I think, um, you know, I think David's illustrated very well how this, you know, the special issue, I think, will take uh, readers on, on a journey through functional genomics from, you know, the, the, the development of the technology through to how it's being applied and the challenges around analyzing, interpreting data. But actually, I think to get a real sense of how um, the, the platform will, will drive and benefit both you know, the scientific community generally, but also um, looking for new therapeutic opportunities. And I think um, a couple of things to pick out, which, which I think will be particularly important for the future will be within the special issue, we've got an interesting paper using um, genetic model systems that could be used um, uh, to generate in vivo data um, in, a, in a different way, and I think in a very uh, creative way, but also the use of primary cell cold culture systems where um, this is really going to be an important area for the future um, and really allowing models that are as physiologically relevant as possible to be used in the context of functional genomics. So this is this high throughput, uh, the chance to look at the function of a large number of genes essentially simultaneously, but actually tying that together with real 
physiologically relevant disease models that will enable us to make um, a much more rapid move from target identification through to seeing clinical benefit from these, um, from these targets um, in the future. Yeah, it's a really interesting set of papers and certainly shows us where we are in terms of state of the art with functional genomics. I'm interested though in your opinions. What do you think of the next challenges for the functional genomics area? Yeah, well, let, let me pick up on that one first, because I've actually probably just um, uh, jumped the gun a bit on those, because I think one of the really key areas for me is, is the ability to use functional genomics in a, in a physiologically relevant setting. And actually, um, a, a really uh, exciting new initiative in the UK that both David and myself are closely involved in, which is the joint AstraZeneca Cancer Research UK Functional Genomics Centre based in Cambridge. Um, one of the uh, we're very much looking to to use that capability to drive thinking in these areas forward. Um, but one area in particular I'd want to highlight first of all is is around um, being able to run screens in in primary cells. So this are these are cells uh, perhaps direct, taken directly from a patient tumor or from another biologically uh, biological sample that's relevant to a disease process. But using what what we what we generally call primary cells in a screening setting. So again, giving us that more direct link to to real human physiology, which will help us with uh, driving a. Uh, a real challenge that David uh, touched on earlier on in the in the call around around um, attrition rate in in the farm industry. This is very high in terms of the number of targets that really make it all the way through the process. And I think I feel that this uh, this new the advent of functional genomics um, and moving forward into the future will really give us um, uh, exciting opportunities to drive patient benefit further. Um, and again, just as I, as I said to summarise, I think one of the key challenges will be seeing this technology used effectively in primary human cells to allow us to make that direct link to uh, disease pathology. So David, over to you. Yes, I completely subscribe to everything you say. I think uh, uh, the, the challenge around the physiological relevance is 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 obviously uh, a critical one. Um, something that um, in the special issue that brought my attention was the review on the use of um, um, of zebrafish, for example, as a as a potential more in vivo model. And I think that's really um, an important aspect to consider how we move this screen into more in vivo situation to increase the physiological relevance and the, and the translatability of the targets that we derive from this screening exercise. The last consideration from my side is, is around the screening technology that we're using and the reagent that we have regenerated in the field um, so far. If you, if you look at the, at the complexity of the human genome, in reality, only 1% of the genes that are in the, in the, in the genome is, is actually um, coding for proteins. And, uh, and we have generated a lot of reagents to interrogate the function of this 1% of the genome. There is still a, a long way to go from, from my point of view to really um, have comprehensive functional genomics platform to be able to interrogate all of the, all, all the, the rest of the genome, which at the moment we are, we are blind to, where probably lots of uh, disease-relevant targets are coming from. And so I think ahead of us in the future, we have, we have to, to generate reagents and systems that are able to interrogate also the part of the genome, which at the moment we're not interrogating. Yeah, I think one thing I would I would add, um, which is just prompted by uh, David's comments, is I think, um, but the nature of this 
exciting technology is that it will generate vast amounts of data. So I think a challenge for the community globally is how that data can be um, shared properly, it can be interrogated in, in multiple places, uh, and making sure that, um, that you know the, the full value of all the data that's being generated by functional genomics platforms can, can really be kind of integrated and, and used to drive forward um, further advances and in innovation, both in the field itself, in terms of quality control and learning from uh, as particular techniques evolve, but also I think more broadly um, to ensure that it, it makes the impact it it needs to make on on drug discovery and target validation identification in the future so i think there's there's an enormous amount of uh, of, of excitement and exciting data to come um, and i think um you know the field pulling all of that data together i think will make a real contribution to that yeah it sounds like there's lots of challenges ahead and especially i guess being such a young field it's uh, not unexpected so I look forward to the special issue coming out and being able to read all the papers. So thank you both for your time today. It's been really good to speak to both of you and um, good luck with everything in the future. Yeah, no, we're, we're looking forward to seeing these, the special issue come out. And, um, you know, big thanks to all the expert contributors who've, um, who've made it such an interesting read. Likewise, thanks, Rob, and thanks to everyone who has contributed to this special issue.